only way black men can aid in the healing of black women is by healing themselves first. No man who's injured can take his time to help anybody else. There is so much that black men haven't healed within themselves, so it makes it damn near even impossible to even see the type of healing you need and or to assist in your own aid. Self-development is the basis of community development. Hello and welcome. You are now tuned into the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm your host, LA-based actor, model, and poet, Ebony Davis. From healing the feminine body to caring for the masculine body, our collective liberation depends on one another to come together and assist each other. Now, today we are blessed to talk with someone who has done the work of tackling their own healing and now wants to assist men to do the same work of unlocking their highest potential. Welcome founder, financial educator, and global thought leader, 19 Keys. Man, I'm happy to be here. Yes, we're so happy to have you. It's such a pleasure. You know, the Ebb and Flow podcast is really all about healing. It's all about our collective liberation. And so it seems like it's completely in alignment with everything that you stand for. So having you here today to share your insights truly means a lot to us. Thank you. Yeah, I love your platform, uh, your voice, the way you um, project your messages, you know what I mean, your poeticism. So it's aligned with my brand, most definitely. Can you talk about what sparked your healing journey? The, the necessity um, growing up in Oakland, California, and St. Louis, you know, you grow up in trauma-filled environments. You go through a lot of trauma, but you don't know it's trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And that trauma can be the way that you raised, which makes you, you know, become a product of your environment. And then once you're outside that environment, then you can see how much your actions in different environments hurt people. Because I think mm -hmm. it's normal inside. If you're in the hood, you do things as normal. You take some of those same actions and now you're in a different environment and you're around people who didn't grow up in that, then your actions could be detrimental to them and then it allows you to start to see yourself. I like to say that I'm blessed just in the sense that I want to have self-accountability. I want to deal with my shadow self. Like, you know, revealing is healing, right? So, but that revelation has to come itself. We don't always have to be to the world, right? Like, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that you are who you are when you're alone. You mm. know what I'm saying? By yourself. So I take that to heart when I'm by myself and I'm proud of myself, mm. you dig? And if I'm not, and then that means that there was aspects of myself that I need to work on and change. Yeah. And I don't believe I have to be perfect, but I got to be working. You know what I'm saying? So it, it really, it's, I've been through so much life that, you know, it wasn't one point in time that I felt like, yo, I need to get better at this, that, and the third. I think it was just iterations of different experiences that led me to a journey of self-development and betterment. I feel like for me, there was definitely a moment of rock bottom. Mm. And that rock bottom moment has occurred actually several times, you know, yeah. because you think you've healed, you think you've ascended to a certain level, and then you have another moment of like, wow, um, I'm devastated behind this unhealed aspect of myself, this shadow aspect of myself. So you don't feel like there was one moment that really just sparked your journey and got you started, even if there were other iterations to follow. Going through my last court case, mm -hmm. you know, um, what that really sparked was more so about not becoming a product and a statistic, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you go through an actual court case, you're sitting there through the whole entire time, but it's uncertainty. So you don't know what your future going to be. Like, I couldn't control the outcome of it. I can only work, strategize, and then try to get a better outcome. Yeah. And that was completely in the hands of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted my future, or I never want again for my future to be in the hands of anybody else's decision. Mm -hmm. So I believe that 
just taking on that self-accountability of what got me in that situation, whether I'm guilty or not guilty, I believe that it's about, you know, always taking ownership over everything that you do. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So I always point to that point in time because I think that was one of the bigger parts of my life that really steered me into a direction for betterment. How do you feel that bettering yourself and healing yourself can help dismantle those systems such as mass incarceration, the prison industrial complex, and help to liberate us as a collective? Well, they feed off, you know, the fact that we aren't healed. They feed off the fact that our minds are at dis-ease, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health issues, um, the recidivism rate, and the crime statistics feed off of toxic, unhealthy environments. You take a man that is in a two-parent household. He grew up with a father that teaches and he, that he can watch, that he can aspire to become, like, to where he can filter his decision-making based on the values and principles that he learned. He has a loving mother that teaches and nurtures and fosters that energy within him that he learns from. Now you're starting off with balance. You're starting off on an even till. Yeah. So now you have the ability to filter what goes on around you in your environment, mm-hmm. right? But if you take out parents within that household, there's going to be an imbalance automatically yeah. because he know he comes from two people, but he's missing the balance of one of those. So there's a part of an aspect of self that you don't get to learn about, right? So then you got the influence of the environment because you start to seek out whatever you're missing in your environment, Mm. right? Whether that's the influence of peers, gang culture, right? And then that also limits, you know, financial stability in a household. So therefore, criminality starts to become on the table because now you need to eat or you're looking at what's in your environment and you're in a, a, a low-income environment. So you start to have these adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. right? And these increase, right, the susceptibility towards you going to jail, you having disease, early death, suicide, mental health issues. And those are the exact things that the pipeline to prison feed off of, from the classroom to the prison cell. I mean, everything from comprehension rates and reading rates, right? They utilize that to tell, you know, how many children will end up in prison later on, Mm -hmm. right? So once you heal yourself and you heal the mind, it really goes into self-knowledge. I believe the basis of healing starts with knowledge of self, yeah, right? Or knowledge of sales, if one wants to call it. But mm-hmm. you have to know who you are in order to know where you're going, to know where you came from. Yeah, All of those things reverberate into the mind that allows you to say, okay, I've gotten over you know, uh, my mistreatment of self, now I can get over my mistreatment of others. It's my belief that our psychological constructs are projected out into the world. And so we've constructed our identities around limitation. And so that is the reason why we see mass incarceration at such a high level because that is the physical projection of what is going on Mm -hmm. internally and psychologically. Does that also ring true for you and your experience? For me, you know, limited thinking goes into the the idea of imagination, right? And I think imagination is one of the most important tools that we can use. If you can't see beyond your reality, you can't produce anything else. Right. You understand me? So that limited thinking comes from that realistic thinking. You start to become on that bottom table of that Maslow's pyramid where you only think in survival, you only thinking for next week. Right. So everything in your reality becomes limited, right? Because mm-hmm. you no longer are the master of destiny and time. A child that is fostered with the proper imagination and thinking and vision can always think of themselves in a better environment, can mm-hmm. always see themselves somewhere better. So without you being able to project a better image of yourself, you are unequipped with the tools to produce that reality. Right. So for me, in the hoods of um, America, 
right, and throughout the world, the poorest people, right, at some point in time are taught that realistic thinking is the way to go. Yeah. You understand me? They're, they're taught not to dream, not to think bigger, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, you know, saying what as a child, whatever you want to be, you start to get these boxes. Then those boxes start to tear away. Well, you can't be a doctor. You understand me? You can't be a lawyer. Now you could just be somebody that works at a shop or an assistant or, or whatever it may be. But you, you start to become indoctrinated into limited thinking. And that mm-hmm. comes from school. That comes from the household. That comes from peers society, and then we go to entertainment, and then you don't see yourself anywhere, right, of any higher substance. Like, for myself, you know, there's no representation of somebody like myself in mainstream media at all, mm-hmm. right? There's just none. People that think like me and or look like me, per se, right, with my background. There's no young black Muslim, you know, men who are masculine and aware of self, and that perspective is projected. So I got to produce that for myself. That has to be in my own imagination Mm -hmm. to where I can see myself in spaces around the world, right? Otherwise, if you don't see it, you don't believe it. Mm -hmm. You dig? Like, that just goes towards the neuroscience of the mind. Mm -hmm. But they understand that, which is why they don't project any representation of us being strong. Basically, they are anybody that can control things. Mm -hmm. Because... When we say colonizers, I'm talking about anybody that works with them, you understand me, that is aware of what they're doing. Yeah. Right? And so whether it's the media companies, whether it's the government, whether whoever are in positions of power and they don't do something better with a position of power, then they are on the side of those keeping people down. Anytime I see a movie, anytime I see anything, I don't just look at what's given to me. I want to know who's the writer. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Because yeah. they are the people that actually produced it. It comes from their mind. So a lot of people be like, it ain't no agenda. How do you know? You never sat down with the writer. Right. You never sat down with the organization leader or the uh, the president of this association. Yeah. There's an agenda to every single thing that's done in the world. And most of those agendas are against the growth and the progression of the black man and woman. Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. And even if it's not against the growth and progression of the black men and women, it's for profit. It's for the profit of this colonizing group. You can look at the entertainment industry and see that as a woman, in order to be an entertainer, there's a certain level of body you have to give. There's a certain level of sexuality you have to give. And that sexuality is marketed that sexuality is you know put on display because it's profitable and you know to me that is no different than um you know 400 years ago when our vessel our sacred vessel was put on display in a sign of value and i think the energetics of that we still haven't transcended because we are still allowing ourselves to be exploited and marketed to in this way and we don't even realize it because it's happening at such a subtle level right um and so i think that definitely ties into what you're saying um something else that you've said is that a man can't be a man until he has a vision explain what that means and what your vision has been and how it's helped to empower you a man's superpower is in his mind and so you can tell the quality of a man by what's in his mind because he's only going to produce what's inside him Mm -hmm. right so what he sees for his life is what he produces and what he projects Mm -hmm. right so if a man gets with a woman, per se, right, a woman is going to be a helper of that vision, mm-hmm. right? It's the same way I look at it as a business because relationship is a business, right? Mm-hmm. You have two partners coming together to create something of substance, right? Okay. 
regardless of that's a non-profit business or a for-profit business, right? Or for-love business or a not-for-love business. Mm-hmm. So any activities you do in life that keep you busy is your business. Mm-hmm. You did. So for a man, if he doesn't have a vision for his business, that's like not having a business plan. you just transacting throughout life, but you don't have a, a, a vision for where things are going. Mm-hmm. So you can't even grade whether you're successful or not. You understand me? Because you live life in just a randomized order. Right. Right? So a man having a vision is basically his way of impregnating himself with ideas and then having a purpose of something to do. Mm-hmm. So vision gives you purpose. It gives you direction for every single conversation you have, the things you read, the people you talk to. Now you're dealing with a man's vision. He's trying to go into a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So anything that helps him in that direction is aiding him in his life, his purpose, his mission, his will, his vision. Yeah. But a man with no vision is blind. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Now he needs to wait till he has a vision. Then he has necessity for, let's say, a partner. You understand me? But until then, you're a boy mm-hmm. because a boy don't have a vision for life. A boy is being managed by his parents, being managed and told what to do, what not to do throughout life. And then at some point in time, you learn how to manage those things for yourself. Mm-hmm. You understand me? And in management, you learn how to manage your business. So now I know how to manage my affairs and my activities on a daily basis that can keep me successful. And then when you have when you marry that skill set with a vision, now I know exactly what I need to do in order to get where I want. And who I want to become, right? It's, it's a much different substance of meeting a man without a vision and a purpose and meeting one with one. Mm-hmm. Because he can't be distracted by things that have nothing to do with his vision. So how does a man cultivate that vision? How do I go from being a boy without a vision to a man with a vision? What does that bridge look like? You know, I always talk about the three E's. Education, experience, and exposure. Okay. Understand me now? Your, your education is what you put into your mind, Right. Your experience are the things that you go through. Your experience help you shape what's put into your mind. And your exposure sets the parameters of how large your mind is, mm-hmm. right? Because the more you expose, the greater your mind becomes, mm-hmm. right? And the more vast it becomes. And it doesn't contract after that. Once a man has education, he now has the ability to think, mm-hmm. right? To learn more so than anything. Thinking and learning is something that most people don't do, right? And most people don't know how to think and most people don't know how to learn. Right. So once a man learn how to think and learn, now he can have experiences. So when he go through those experiences, he can filter it based on his education. Then he starts to learn himself throughout different situations. What is he good at? What is he not good at? Right. What do I like to do? Right. Those things that a man starts to find out about himself where he finds what he's good at start to give you confidence and it gives you happiness. Mm -hmm. Now you start to draw a vision because you're like, okay, I like to speak. Right. So therefore, maybe I could become a speaker. You start to envision things larger based on your skill sets and your gifts. Yeah. You understand me? And then you start to equate that to purpose because what something does is its purpose. Mm -hmm. Ours use the analogy of a remote. A remote is to control the TV. That's the purpose of a remote. Mm -hmm. So once you find out your gifts, now you know what you do. You know what you're good at. So now you can equate that to what your purpose is in life. Mm -hmm. So you have to go through those iteration and experiences and Native American culture sometimes is a boy going through the woods and you have to fend right. for itself for a few days. Yeah. Right? Those rites of passage. Yeah. In America, we don't have real rites of passages mm-hmm. that are healthy that say you have went from being a boy to a man. Because mm-hmm. once you do that, you're going to feel a certain way about yourself, a certain confidence. Right? And then that's automatically to start giving images of who you are. 
right? And those images start to paint the picture of your vision. I saw a conversation you had with Shaka Bars, and I commented on it because it was really intriguing to me. And it was on the topic of women being predators and preying on young boys and just what that can do to their development. And is there enough awareness around it? Um, and I would just love to hear what you have to say about that topic. Um, no, I think that's one of those double standards in society that we just accept, you know, and I think that that's something that just, just about all people kind of accept, mm -hmm. which is why there's no conversation or activism around the topic. And a lot of people say, well, the young boy is not affected in the same way, in a way that he internalizes that information from that experience as a young girl. That, but it also goes just towards the predatory nature of an older woman that wants to do that period. Right, because a lot of times these are women that go on to have their own children, right. right? And it just goes on to the larger behavior of society and what we accept in women, what we accept in men, right? But specifically for that young boy, it can rob him of the innocence, right, yes. and the purity and how he even goes about relationships and seeing women and how he values sexual experiences, yeah. right? Because you now robbed of that opportunity to see it in an organic or natural way. So then that later on says something about his relationships and the habits that he formed around his sexual experiences. And so with that being a norm, nobody ever says, well, maybe this is the reason why that he, he becomes a player. This is a reason why mm -hmm. he treats women a certain way. So you, when you're talking about the truth, you got to look at it from a 365 perspective. You can't just look at it from one way and be like, well, you know, father didn't teach him nothing or, you know, that's society or that's rap music. Where it's like, no, because everybody's, you know, issue is not those things. Some people issue is the experiences that they had. And most of them are start at when you're a child. Right. Right. So I think that what it, what it goes to more so is protecting the purity and the innocence of a young boy. And then also being able to check the toxic behavior of women and the double standards that exist when women do things that are evil and of predatory nature yep. and that same level of you know activism is not fought at the same time i absolutely agree and when i commented on that post i i said you know women have been programmed by patriarchy to be predatory and i had some a couple people like what do you mean programmed by patriarchy and what i meant by that is that you know our sexuality has been weaponized and used against us for so long from being enslaved all the way up until now you know um women were raped into submission men were raped into submission and so we've had this sort of like perverted relationship with sex that has then um you know just seeped into ourselves and the programming of that hasn't properly been addressed so when i say that women have been programmed by patriarchy because we've been robbed of our innocence for so long so many centuries we now might look at somebody younger and be like it, it's the innocence it's the innocence that i think people are after in those situations because they've had that robbed from them mm -hmm. and they want that back and really what it is in my opinion and in, in my own healing journey and just understanding of psychology is the connection to source because when you are a child when you are a child of god you have this infinite connection to abundance love joy creativity but when you're robbed of that at such a young age that umbilical cord is cut and you constantly spend your life in confusion searching for that from other people and i think that's what's happened mm. in our community because for so long like i said our sexuality and sex has been weaponized and used against us and that's the source of our creative energy as well and so if there's shame around that if there's guilt around that if there's trauma around it then we are inherently disconnected from God, the source of all creation. 
you know, our umbilical cord is severed. We don't have what we would naturally have access to as people of the most high. I appreciate you for answering that question Absolutely. because that's something that, you know, I'm very passionate about. From that particular post or tweet, yeah, I got a uh, shadow ban on Instagram for that. That's interesting. And I think, you know, it's it's the core of so much of our healing. Like this particular conversation is the core of so much our, of our healing because yeah. it is the root chakra. Like it is the foundation of who we are. And if we continue to live our lives without addressing it, then we'll continue to perpetuate the cycles of hurt. Yeah, that I mean, we've seen a situation with Tiffany Haddish. That was, I mean, yeah, I think that was the same week that, yeah, I, that I saw that post. And it was like, it was disgusting. I didn't watch the it video because I don't need to, I don't feel that it's necessary it's for me to expose exposure. myself to that type of trauma. But these are the type of like sadistic, ritualistic things that we're dealing with in this society where kids are literally preyed on. When you prey on a child, when you rob a child of their innocence at such a young age, they become easy to control. Now they have shame. Now they have guilt. Now they have confusion. And all of those lower level emotions makes them so much easier to control, to manipulate, to maneuver, to, to place your agendas onto. And so until we take back our awareness through accountability, through our own healing, then we like I said, continue to perpetuate these cycles of hurt. Yeah, I mean, you got to know you're dealing with devils. You understand me? And devils come in all form, but it's based on their actions. Absolutely. You dig? And, you know, nobody wants to call these devils out because oftentimes they're in positions of power, right, in proximity, and they control the money and the checks. So people don't speak that strongly about it because their boss might be a devil. They might be a devil, Yeah. right? And they don't want that proximity of being a true speaker. Yeah. You dig? But I think that shit like that where you got to call it out, you know, by name. Right. You feel me? And I didn't see enough people with influence calling out that kind of behavior. And I think that's the sickening thing about it. You understand me? And I think it's more so because it's normalized. Yes. Right? It's normalized mm -hmm. to see it and then shut up. And we know Hollywood comes with them sadistic rituals 100%. You feel me? And they got a bunch of weird-ass people that's in the positions that perpetuate it. And then everybody turned a blind eye. But anytime you're dealing with the innocence of a child and somebody degrades that, they deserve death, in my opinion. Absolutely. There's nothing to talk about this because you got to create a zero tolerance type reality. Absolutely. And that's the only way we, we live in a place where we can say, okay, goodness rule the world. Absolutely. Do you feel like there's an imbalance or just not a place for men to speak up when it comes to sexual trauma the way that there is for women because just in my own experience with healing I don't want to say that it's a benefit that women get to call themselves victims or identify as victims but I think being able to identify as a victim gives some context to what has occurred whereas with the men men don't necessarily get that opportunity to identify as victims because they're constantly told that nothing has happened to them and nothing is wrong so there might not be the same yeah. opportunities for healing and understanding yeah I mean I think when a man man is seen as a victim is seen as weak when a woman is seen as a victim now is seen as strength mm -hmm. because she's telling her story right she, oh you're so strong for telling this but a man is still even when people say yo you're so strong but he's still gonna be seen as weak because he's connected to this victim reality now a lot of the stories is is not so much of just women doing something to young boys but men doing mm -hmm. right and if a man has been sexually sodomized by another man then not only he does not want to be a victim, he don't even want to be associated with it. Right. Everybody is told, well, just accept yourself as you are. So now you can't go to a psychologist and be like, yo, I think this made me who I am. Mm -hmm. Why? Because society is just telling you to have pride in whatever you are today. Nobody yeah. is, is looking at it from 
you know, a childhood trauma experience and saying that this is what made you this way. This is what confused your identity in different ways. Both sides of the spectrum deal with that, the heterosexual community and the homosexual community, right? And neither one have the space to have these conversations, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to black men in America because black men in America are supposed to go through pain but not talk about it. The only statistic where white men beat us because we number one in disease, we number one in prison, we number one in low education rates, we number one in all of the worst statistics in America. White men beat us in suicide, right? Interesting. And even though we actually go through way more worse experiences and child adverse experiences, number one, we still commit less crimes, right? And we still don't commit suicide at the highest rates because we have an internal strength that we deal with. But that strength is only so strong until it breaks. And then after that, I see more minds crack, mm -hmm. right, rather than commit suicide. So you may see somebody that you knew that was intelligent that had a full personality and vibrant being, and then one day, you know, they outside and they talking to themselves. Mm, you understand yeah. me? And they yeah, lost, yeah. and they are a ghost of who they used to be. Right. And this is partly because society does not normalize the black male expression. Yeah. You talk about being a soldier versus a warrior. Yeah. Um, why do you feel so many men fall into the trap of being warriors, whereas the soldier is one who aids the collective's goal? I think, you know, the warrior ego different. You understand me? A soldier is not supposed to have an ego. Mm. You understand me? A soldier is supposed to just be given orders and do as I say. You're supposed to be a vessel, mm. right, for the instructions and the order. And it's not about you. It's what you add. So you sacrifice yourself to win the war. Mm. Or a warrior can have his own way. Right, A warrior can have his own mission and his own battles and things that he fights for. Mm -hmm. You dig? And a warrior is more instinctual. If you, you imagine like a, a warrior, oftentimes you think long hair, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's more connected to nature and the instincts of the environment around him. Where a soldier, yours is about submission. Cut off your hair and what you identify as your identity and your individualism and be a part of the collective, mm -hmm. right? So where a soldier's goal is particularly for the state, the army, the government, whatever he's a part of, that nation, a warrior's goal can be for self. Mm. You understand me? And I think there's a lot of people that are just warriors for self. Mm. They're, they're, they're not soldiers for any cause. Where do we get our instructions as soldiers? You know, as your, your first instructions come from your higher self. But then when we're talking about being a part of a nation, me, I grew up in the nation of Islam, right? Mm. So the instructions are the cause itself, right? So... If you grow up and part of that cause is for the economic, spiritual, psychological development and upliftment of your people, you understand me? Then you have to do something towards that cause of righteousness, mm -hmm. right? And then those instructions, I grew up where we used to drill. We used to have combat on Mondays and Saturdays. We used to, like, I've been training men since I was a young boy, mm -hmm. just giving them instructions and orders and they would take because they wanted to be a part of something larger than themselves. The problem is today, people don't look at the nation of Islam as a source for instruction all the time, when it's still the best source that turns out great fathers, mothers, and black families. Mm -hmm. There's no close other organization that has went this long and created as many successful, healthy black families. Mm -hmm. It just don't exist. And I think that most people are not looking to be a part of something. They just want to do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. And this has now become the expression of what's considered to be freedom but you don't realize you actually become a slave to your lower self, mm. right? And so they tricked us. We got a backward society and culture where there's no standards. Yeah. So there has to be a code where 
here's the standards and what we represent. When you say you are a black man, right, these are the standards that you say you are connected to, honor, mm. respect, right, protection of self and others. You are educator, you a leader, right, strength, you know, you a builder, you a thinker. These are not things that's connected when a person said they a black person. They talking about their skin color, yeah. right? Or they talking about liking hip-hop music, yeah. right? And so for black men and women, there's no code that's connected to identity and what we consider to be culture. Mm -hmm. So you then have to say, okay, what am I a part of? What is the principles and the codes and the value of those things that I'm a part of? Because that should give you direction, right? If you're a good person, then that's going to easily guide you already because you already going to have a higher self that's going to give you orders. Yeah. Be better to other people. You understand me? Like, treat people as, as you want them to treat you. You understand me? If you do something to somebody else and they do it to you, you can't be mad. Mm -hmm. Right? That's law. So, you know, for me, I'm going to always point to the teachers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has the greatest program for reforming and redeeming black men and women in America in the history of the world. There's nobody else that even comes as a close second, and even his proponents during the time that he was living that were not completely, you know, for the nation of Islam in a way that it operated still said he has the best program that we've seen. Yeah. It's very interesting that you say that, you know, on my own healing journey, I've definitely realized, like, all skin folk ain't kin folk. Mm -hmm. You know, so many black people, um, their idea of blackness is rooted in an identity that has been given to us by our oppressor. Yeah. Um, and, and they embrace it wholeheartedly and they stand firm in it. Um, but it's the, the morals and the integrity that's missing. And that's what truly can move our community into the next dimension of our being, you know, through our collective healing and liberation. Um, and I think it's time that we become just more aware of that, more aware of the programming that we've been given versus what is authentically us, who we, who we are on a core level. And in order to understand that, we have to remember who we were, you know, prior to global colonization, mm -hmm. prior to be prior to being given these identities through media that, you know, dictate and determine what it means to be black and, and how a black person behaves. Yeah, yeah. I, I think also that is part of not identifying as an oppressed class and mm. a minority class. One thing, I, I really just like the word oppressor because I think it donates success already to that class of people. Like they, mm. we, it's, it's, it's you said like, you don't like the word oppressor. I don't because mm. it's, it's saying that they're a professional and they're good at what they're doing. It's like mm. calling somebody a doctor. Mm. You understand me? When you have an oppressed class or an oppressor class, you have an oppressed class. And to be a part of the oppressed class is already saying, you know, I'm a failure. Right, somebody's mm. foot is on my neck. Mm. I don't feel oppressed. When you talk about vision, you have to, before any slave that ever ran away, they had to have a vision of being free, mm. right? Mm -hmm. They was free the moment they came up with that plan because they decided that they wasn't a slave, Yeah. right? The African slavers, like the one in Woman King, and the Europeans didn't go over there and get slaves. They went over there and got black men and women, yeah. right? And I think oftentimes when we talk about the history of America, number one, we look at that as that the history of the world when it's not. Right. right, because there was still African, Black, Caribbean people all around the world that were free and that were operating and living, and so we only operate our identity through oppression, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. we start our history at when they was oppressing us, right. right? And even in America, all of us didn't come from Africa. A lot of us was Native Americans over here. Absolutely. So when you study the history of like somebody like John Horse, or you study the Seminole Wars where Africans and Native Americans were fighting side by side against, you know, the, the slave master and their children, 
then you start to see a better picture of America and what it's always been. And it's really always been our country. Yeah. Every great thing about this country we built. Absolutely. How can black men aid in the healing of black women and vice versa? The only way black men can aid in the healing of black women is by healing themselves first. No man who's injured can take his time to help anybody else. He's not even learned that mastery of help himself. And he won't even be able to see clearly, right, what is even wrong with another person until, like, you can only help this person as much as you've helped yourself. Yeah. Right? When you find somebody that has went through a deep healing ritual, right, they've been through the worst and they face every aspect of that self, then they can see that in everybody else and they can actually help heal that person. Mm. So there's so much that black men haven't healed within themselves, so it makes it damn near even impossible to even see the type of healing you need and or to assist in your own aid. Self-development is the basis of community development, mm. right? And as so the unobliged Muhammad teaches, right? So it starts when you have any black man that is completely, you know, I would say healed or good or just in that, that life that he's living. That's his way of life. Anybody he gets around, he's going to heal, mm-hmm. right? Especially his woman, yeah. right? Because he's going to be able to see the pain that he causes, the pain the world has caused, the pain that anybody has caused. Because anytime a woman states that she's unprotected, you know, now it's, it's a statement that the black man is a failure. Mm-hmm. Anytime a black woman says she's the most disrespected, it's a statement that the black man is a failure. Mm-hmm. So that onus comes back on us anytime we hear our women saying how much they are the most unprotected and disrespected women in America. What's being said in that same statement is that black man ain't shit, mm-hmm. right? Because we are the person that's supposed to make sure if she is respected and protected. Mm-hmm. So... Even the language of, of, of how it's said, it sounds like you're talking about the oppressor, but really you're talking about black men not standing up in position. Wow. Right? And so black men would have to take that onus, but it would start also black men would have to be represented and respected as masculine beings. How you go enforce respect on somebody else and you don't get respect? Mm. You understand me? So everything that the black man heals within himself, he now has the power to heal within others. It, it, it's so from that journey is how I was able to have empathy for the plight of the black woman because you automatically think you do. Mm-hmm. You may have sisters, you may have mothers, aunties, so you think like, no, I love black women. Like I, I grew, you know how white people say they got white friends. Black friend, yeah. you know that's yeah. how a black man is sometimes. Man, I I know nothing, but I come from a woman, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that you empathize with women, right? Right, which is a completely different connection, and often that empathy can't come before healing. Yeah. Right. So you have to reprogram yourself. You have to undo the things that you've been taught by possibly your, your pops or your brothers or friends or society. And then we got to go through the remasculization of the black man. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And throughout that process, black women also have to celebrate masculinity. Anytime you go to a doctor, he can prescribe you something. But unless you take the medicine and you go on and, and, and you listen to what that doctor says, it's a partnership. That's what healing is. Mm-hmm. One person can't just run up on you and then inject you with something and say you healed and cured. Right. Both people have to work together. Yeah. So the partnership and the communication between black men and women and the empathy between us is actually the healing itself. Mm. Right? Because without working together, we can't heal together. Yeah. You dig? So after we heal ourselves and that healing is like getting over our ego, right? Getting over the traumas that we went through. You know, um, just learning how to be better men and have better minds and learning how to think better, which helps you do better. Yeah. But I was also taught that there's behind every no good woman, there's a no good man. 
mm. right, that made her that way, right? And a lot of men today don't connect with the strong black man identity while black women are being told to be strong black women. Yeah. So there's mm. more and more young men that don't even want to be men today. Because mm. everything connected to manhood is seen as toxic now, mm. right? Yeah. So the showcase and a representation of black masculinity, right, and strength and those values that's supposed to be connected with that, those are the ways that you get black men to step up in those positions mm -hmm. to where they treat black women the way they're supposed to be treated. All right, what is the most important quality of a feminine woman today? I think self-awareness is really the most important quality of a feminine woman today because we have so many external influences, particularly like social media, that try to dictate how we should behave, how we should uh, move. You know, everything is very masculine when it comes to the feminine woman. I got the the body and I got the the face and therefore you know I get to kind of run the world in this very gimme 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 type of way and I think we, what we don't realize is that as feminine women we have the ability to attract and we have the ability to receive through our femininity and we don't have to um, subscribe to these ideas of masculinity and take on that masculine energy because through our femininity through our natural submission not to men but to God and to the abundance that is available to us through our connection to the divine, we are able to receive. And I think capitalism has programmed us into believing that we have to be out in the world taking and working and, you know, d doing just everything that men do um, when in reality we are abundantly cared for and provided for through our connection to source. So becoming feminine again and surrendering to that, surrendering to that, you know, flow of life will bring us the lives that we desire rather than having to um, take on that masculine energy and, and be out in the world. So I think that self-awareness um, allows us to really get in tune with who we are, get healed from that patterning and conditioning from capitalism and um, step into that flow and surrender. So what is the most important aspect of a masculine man today? Man, not being a sucker, you know. <laughs> what no, is the sucker? So for Break me, that down for right, So look, you got to be, for me, it's, it's, it's about courage. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I feel like everything in the world tries to make you fearful. Mm -hmm. You can't say certain things a certain way. You can't walk a certain way. You can't take up space. None of those things. And I'm like, as a, as a man, you have to project your will. You understand me? You can't acquiesce to everybody else, right? So, you know, that whole idea of there's some alpha men and then there's some weak men, you should never want to be in that space that's considered the non-alpha, mm. right? And I don't really like the word alpha because I think it comes from, you know, primates in the way that they operate. But just in the reality of you, if you don't see yourself when you walk in a room to where you can talk to a woman, right? You can talk to other men. You don't get jealous, right? You don't have all of them self-eternalized issues or w even with black men, when they speak to white men, they often change the voice. You understand me? They, mm -hmm. they allow certain jokes. They allow certain things to be said that they otherwise wouldn't take from, you know, they, they black male counterpart. So for me, being a sucker is allowing the world to dictate who you are mm -hmm. instead of dictating to the world who you are. I love that. Well, thank you so much for Absolutely. joining us today. It's been such a wonderful, informative conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to be here on the Ebb and Flow podcast. And I know our viewers are definitely going to benefit from this conversation. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I'm so happy to hear that. a new drip just for y'all. Period. Matching the set and everything. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us.